0: Hey church, we are in week five of our summer vibes and as Megan has shared, we're going through the book of Philippians and hopefully so far over the course of the last four or five weeks, you've grown an appetite on reading the word of God. Uh, but what I wanna do before we get into our main passage of today is I wanna elaborate a little bit and teach you guys how to read the word of God. All right, that's one of my goals here today is not just present you guys with the word of God, but I wanna equip you on how to study scripture for yourself. Uh, simply put, it's like this, right? I can either give you a fish or I can show you how to fish for yourself. All right? So when you're studying scripture, one of the things that you want to do when you go through the word of God is you want to identify tension within scripture. All right? And what tension within scripture is, is basically conflicts. You want to look for conflicts within scripture. And conflicts is comprised of two parts, right? Um, It could be an internal conflict or with others. And simply put, the reason why we have conflict in our lives is because we live in a broken world. But did you guys know that within every conflict, every tension, we all have a choice? we all have a choice. And so once you've identified the tension and the conflict, and you know that you have a choice, you want to begin to look for the revealed approach. All right. And what the revealed approach is, is God's way, God's way. And to showcase how powerful this study tour, this tactic is, does anybody here know what they used to call the early believers before they were called Christians? You can speak. They were known as followers of the way. I'm glad you guys sat in the 9 AM. Right? <laughs> followers of the way. But here's the thing, though. Did you guys know that there is a benefit in our choice to follow God's way to the revealed approach. And simply put, if you're, if you're taking notes, choosing the godly way leads to God's peace. Good. Leads to God's peace. And we can define that real quick. Peace can be defined as wholeness or total health. Wholeness or total health. And this is going to be important later as we unpack Peace, and um, hey, show of hands, anyone been to the Bible Museum here before? A couple of you guys, right? Well, quite recently, myself, my my wife, and a few amazing other people, we were, had a chance to actually go to uh, the Bible Museum, and uh, it's all the way in D.C. And I don't know about y'all, but I always get so nervous driving down to, to D.C. Right? Anybody enjoy going to D.C.? Show of hands. All right, for those of you that not raise your hands, we're going to be friends now, OK? I'll definitely meet you in the rural areas where there's no traffic. So I always feel like you're driving down there. It's like someone paint like a bullseye on your car, right? And then the fun part is always looking for parking. You got to break that piggy bank on there. All right. But nonetheless, we made it to the D.C. Museum and Phenomenal Museum, if you haven't had a chance to go check it out. Like this place was amazing. It had uh, six different floors, and each floor has its own exhibit, but it's all centered around the Bible, the Word of God. All right. And I definitely recommend if you go to get a tour guide and uh, to check out the, uh, the third floor. Because in the third floor, there's an interactive experience through the Old Testament. And uh, what I want to approach today through the message is I want to take you guys on the Museum of Peace, all right? And much like the museum in D.C., we're not going to get through all different floors. We're going to get through three of them today. And you'll notice that on each floor, we're going to have a specific topic, but it's all centered around our theme of peace today. You guys ready to go to the museum? Come on. And thank you guys for paying your admittance fee. Uh, If you guys haven't paid it yet, you can grab a white envelope at the end of the experience and drop it in the black bins. All right, let's go. I'm ready to go. All right. So the first floor that we're going to get to, we're going to be going to Philippians chapter four. We're going to be verses two to nine. And this is powerful because as we read through the passage, you're going to notice that Paul is going to talk about the theme of peace. Okay, so let's go to our first one here. Now, I appeal to Yodia and Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Can anybody identify the tension within our text here? What's the tension that we're facing? Disagreement, Disagreement. great job, Rhoda. So the tension within this is disagreement. How many of you know you can be saved, serving, and still sideways? All right, and this is the case with Yodia and Syntyche, awesome names, by the way. But these two women, as you can see, they were helping Paul spread the good news, and their names were written in the book of life. All right? And how many of us have been there before? You know, we, We've come to know Jesus. We've given our lives to him. But sometimes, oftentimes, we're still in conflict with disagreement with others. I think a great example of this is perhaps, you know, if you guys have been there before where you're going to church, you're driving to church, and maybe you have your significant other there, and there's tension in the car. There's some type of disagreement, right? So what happens in those moments? Disagreement robs you of your peace, right? Because when you actually come to church, when you come to worship, you're not fully at ease, right? You're not whole as we defined earlier. But praise God through this text, Paul gives us a revealed approach. Everyone say revealed approach. approach. And the approach is to settle. Mm. And you'll notice he says settle with my true partner, with my companion in other verses, right? So sometimes you want to settle with help. Now, we don't know who this true companion is. It could be Timothy. It could be Titus. But just know that this companion of his, his true partner, is someone as a leader because he was on Paul's level. Okay? So, what I want to do now is I want to unpack how to settle disagreement with you guys. Okay? And I'll be your help for today because ideally, you can settle it first on your own. But if you can't, you want to begin to reach up to your spiritual covering. Okay? So, the first one is this you want to begin to prioritize the disagreement online family, you want to prioritize the disagreement. Matthew 5, 23 to 24 says this. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Right. So when you're when you're serving, if you're if you're following the Lord, scripture tells us to prioritize the disagreement before you come to church, before you worship God, before you get into his presence. Right. Jesus is sharing. You want to prioritize it. So the question now becomes, who do I need to have a conversation with this week? Who do I need to have a conversation with this week. And you want to begin to prioritize that. Okay. The second handle I want to give you here when it comes to the revealed approach and settling is you want to bring in God's word, bring in God's word. In in the old Testament, before Jesus came, uh, he would set up leaders at the time to shepherd God's people. And here we pick it up in Exodus 18, 16, where Moses is speaking. All right. And he's a leader at this time. It says this, when a dispute arises They come to me, and I am the one who settles the case between quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. All right, so you see what the leader does here, right? What a leader does is they go to the word of God first, right? And so you want to ask yourself, what does the Bible say about this matter? Before you head into your conversation. All right, you want to begin to look for what the scripture has to say about the matter. And then the next handle, the third of the four here, and this one is a fun one. I call this one to yield or not to yield. That is the question. I get my Shakespeare moment on right here. Right? Right. To yield or not to yield, because how many of you guys know we're not called to win every disagreement? All right, we're not called to win every disagreement. It's kind of like picking your battles, right? So it's a saying, we're not called to win every disagreement, but we are called to win each other's hearts. Yeah, All right, we're not called to win every battle, but we're called to win each other's hearts. And I think a great verse to encapsulate this is Proverbs 19, verse 11. It says this, sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. All right, so I believe, church, that sometimes we got to grow some thick skin, right? Such as uh, uh, believers in Christ, and in the case of Yodia and Syntike, what happens is that when there's disagreement that goes long enough, it prevents the organizational growth, yeah. right? And in this case, the church. Yeah. So sometimes I have to yield my flesh over so that the vision of God, the vision of the house, can move forward. Right? So, it, the, the, the tool that I want to equip you with is so you want to begin to ask the Holy Spirit for guidance on this, right? Should I engage or should I not engage? And one way that will help you determine that is you want to ask yourself Will winning this disagreement do more harm than good? Will winning this disagreement do more harm or good? And as I shared, you can ask the Holy Spirit to help you, or you can also reach up to your spiritual leader as well. All right. And so this last way when it comes to settling, now that you've you've gone to God, you've uh, considered his word and uh, you prioritized it and you determine, all right, I can't yield in this, I need to engage. All right? So the fourth way on how to settle your disagreement is to engage. To engage. Well, Pastor Chow, what do you mean by engage? To engage simply means to listen to what the other individual has to say and to see what is most important to them. To listen to what the other individual has to say and to see what's most important to them. James put it this way in his passage. This is James 4, verse 1. It says, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? All right, So James is saying here that every conflict that we have stems from an internal desire that's not either being met or not heard. All right, so uh, if, if you guys know, I have, I have two amazing kids. Our oldest one is Elena, and uh, she's two and a half right now, and what we're working on with her is getting some structure in her life um, as well as helping her on her vocabulary, her speech. Right, uh, So what Chris and I are doing right now, my wife, is I'm the one that goes pick up Elena from our childcare, and she's at home with Liam. So just the other day, um, I went and I picked up Elena. You know, I got her from school, the daycare, and the first thing I do is like, Elena, give me a kiss, give Daddy a kiss. And then she's getting so good right now, it's just blocking me and like getting, getting out the way. So nonetheless, I wrestled her, gave her a smooch, put her in the car, strapped her in the seatbelt. And as I'm driving home, I just hear from the backseat, Daddy, Daddy. Smack, please. I'm like, smack? They're like, you mean snack? I'm like, okay, got it. So, being the irresponsible father that I am, right, I get a granola bar from the front seat. And mind you, the structure is we're trying to get her uh, to eat dinner when she comes home from her, her school, right? So, you know, I'm doing that thing where you're driving with your knees and I'm, I'm unpacking the, uh, the granola bar. And I throw it in the back seat, hoping it would smack her, right? I was like, here's your snack. <laughs> But nonetheless, she comes in the house eating, eating her granola bar. Now, here's what this did, right? It conditioned her to eat food, Mom. You know, right? Uh, to eat food, eat snacks before her dinner, right? And so we sat her down at the table, and she's like, "Daddy, I want paté paté." I'm like, "What?" Paté paté. I'm like, can you draw me a picture? You you guys ever played the game before where it's like, am I hotter, am I colder? Like, what is pate pate? But luckily, I have an amazing wife. She's trilingual. She knows Spanish. She knows English. And she also knows gibberish as well, too. And because Elena, at the time, she was trying to communicate uh, what she wanted, Krizia came in and she helped. She's like, what she's trying to say is popsicle popsicle. I'm like, what? And then I got mad, right? So Elena was so frustrated. She got into a tantrum. It's because she didn't, uh, was able to communicate that she wanted a popsicle. And so what I did was I I took Elena, I looked her straight in the eyes and I said, baby girl, I'm going to have you eat dinner first before your popsicle, popsicle. And then guess what she said? She said, Okay, daddy. <laughs> the most angelic voice that you could ever hear. But did you guys catch on to the story? Because Elena was trying to communicate what she wanted, her desires, when it wasn't heard, it got her into a frenzy. Yeah. And that doesn't change when we grow up as adults, yeah. right? We may be having a disagreement with others, but sometimes we're not even listening to what the other person is saying. How many of you guys have been there before? The other person saying something and in your mind you're already coming up with a defense, right? And the rest of what they say you don't even hear. Right? But here here's also every day. <laughs> Hopefully not you, right? You're, you're a significant other, right? Like you wanted to clap, but no, 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 not do no, that, right? But also see the valuable tool that lies within this as well. So Elena, what she wanted was a popsicle. Right? What, I, what we wanted her to do was to eat dinner first. And so this is a valuable tool in any type of relationship, in every marriage. It's called compromising. That's where you meet in the middle, that's where God operates. Right? When he comes back, he's going to settle the nations and they'll all work collectively together. Okay? So what happens was she got her popsicle first, and then, I'm sorry, she got her dinner first, right? <laughs> Not that irresponsible. And then she got her Popsicle, right? So it's a win-win in that scenario. Um, and then I went to the refrigerator and I prayed we had Popsicles in the house. <laughs> Thankfully, we did. Okay, you guys ready to go to the second floor? All right, Museum of Peace, we're going to go to the second floor. Let's go to verse 4 through 7. Paul says this, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Everybody say everything. everything. Not just some things, but everything. everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, all right? Our theme, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard, guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. All right. So on this level, we face the tension of worry. Good job. Of worry. And worry can be defined as being afraid or concerned about something, being afraid or concerned about something, and just using it as an example. How many of us here been before, where we're in school, we're in class, we're listening to a speaker, maybe we're at a meeting, and all of a sudden that voice pops up in the back of your head. You're hungry. What are you gonna eat? Right? You guys are laughing because it's it's true. Some of you guys have thought about it this morning as I was speaking today, <laughs> right? But you see what happens, Sam. You're laughing a little too loud over there, Sam. <laughs> uh, but you see what happens is that when you when you tap into that worry, you lose track of being in the moment, right? So the tension of worry, and this is internal. It takes away from your peace, right? And so, although using that example was very kind of surface, we all worry about significant things, right? Whether it be our health, whether it be finances, or whether it be in our relationships. Fun fact, those are the top three things people worry about the most, okay? However, there is a revealed approach that Paul gave us. What was the revealed approach? Prayer, that's right, great job. So the revealed approach, or God's way, is through prayer. And prayer is simply communication between you and the Lord, Prayer is communication between you and the Lord. Are you guys okay if I erase all this right here? Okay. So if you are taking notes, write this down. The foundation of God's peace is built on prayer. The foundation of God's peace is built on prayer. So let's unpack this here for a little bit. So you see within the passage we just read, Paul gives us the constructs of prayer, what it's made up. Prayer's made up of two pillars or two legs, okay? So the first pillar here, he says, tell God what you need. That's basically your request. And this is actually really powerful is because when you tell God what you need, you're vocalizing it. Think about it. God already knows. He's all-knowing, right? He already knows what you need, but he wants you to vocalize it. And half of the time, that is the piece that you're going to get is to identify what it is that you're praying for. I didn't share this at the 9 a.m., but when Jesus casted out a demon, he said, what is your name? He said, my name is Legion. Right? So sometimes identifying that worry, identifying that demon, is a part of the process, okay? So the second component here is thank him for all that he has done. Simply put, that is gratitude. Gratitude. And this is actually God's will for your life. We don't have it on the screens, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, In all circumstance, be thankful in every situation, for this is God's will for your life. All right? So we want to start off with God's revealed will. Well, Pastor Chow, I've been praying. I've been telling God what I need. I've been having gratitude. But I ain't got no peace in my life. What are you going to say about that? <laughs> all right? Well, I want to present to you a concept today. Okay? Any of you guys seen this before? Mm -hmm. This is a leveler, right? I just so happened to borrow this from a guy named Chris. (laughs) Get up for Chris Conjo, everybody. (laughs) Our creative director delivered his first message a couple weeks ago. Um, It's kind of funny because when he gave it to me and I asked him, I saw he had his name on it. So a part of me was like, I want to go around the church building and write his name on random stuff, right? It's like going in the bathroom on the candles, writing his name Chris on there, right? (laughs) Join me in that endeavor, okay? But what this is... Is this is a leveler, right? It tells you balance. Okay, so let's unpack this balance concept. So let's pretend here, and then we can have this component. Thank you. That you are high in your area of request. You're praying a lot. That's uh, you're going to God with everything that you need. That's a great thing. Okay, God wants you to keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. However, if you're low on gratitude, right? if you just keep on asking, what happens is this can get you in a trap of being spoiled, right? We've been there with kids before where they keep on asking for stuff and they don't say thank you or they don't have any appreciation. Uh, We don't want to get into that trap. So what happens is we keep on asking God for stuff. He drops peace into our lives and then what happens? It's not sustained, right? However, the opposite is also true, okay? So we're very high on gratitude. We keep on thanking God for everything, which is great. That's that's not a bad thing, right? But the Bible says that if there's no request, if we just keep on thanking God, we're tiring God out. We're exhausting him. I'll prove it to you. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 7 verses 10 to 11. It says this, God spoke again to Ahaz. This time he said, Ask for a sign from your God. Ask anything. Be extravagant. Ask for the moon. But Ahaz said, I'd never do that. I'd never make demands like that on God. So Isaiah told him, Then listen to this, government of David. It is bad enough that you are making people tired with your pious, timid hypocrisies. But now you're making God tired. So you see, because he didn't ask for anything, right? He was tiring God out. So what you want to begin to do in your prayer life is you want to have a balance between request and gratitude. And hopefully I have good balance. Is because what happens is that when you have great balance, God's peace is going to drop into your life. And now you have a foundation where it can stay. But here's the thing. Sometimes your issue will not get resolved fully. But what happens is God's peace is going to sustain you until he moves. Okay? Amen. Well, I'll take it even a step further. Well, Pastor Chow, I've been requesting, I've been giving thanks, and I feel like I haven't gotten any breakthrough in the areas of peace yet. Well, I want to present you with this. Thanks, Devin. I want to present you this, right? It says that God's peace will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus, right? The Greek word for guard here is feruo, And it simply means an armed sentry, an armed guard to fortify a besieged city. So think of it this way, right? We're facing some some type of worry. And we pray and God sends a guard in our hearts and our mind and when that worry comes it goes right (laughs) defeated issues over but did you guys know that not all worries are the same there are some situations where all hell breaks loose right we have an army of hundreds of opposing opposition coming our ways so what that means is we have to match our level of prayer to the demands of worry to match our level of prayer to the demands of words so that when the enemy comes, you can go, wow, pop, ha, ha. This is my Jackie Chan moment, everybody. Jackie Chan. He always plays the nicest guy in every movie. You guys realize that? Like all the bad guys are after him, right? And he's like, leave me alone. And he grabs whatever he can, right? Ladders, chairs, beds, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Jackie Chan. Chris, I'm keeping this, by the way. It's a cool level. He's like, leave me alone. Every, Every movie, right? Leave me alone. You guys ready to go to the third floor? All right, let's go. Leave me alone. All right, let's go to verse eight now. All right, our last floor. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. And then the God of peace will be with you. All right, so to identify the tension in this text, it's gonna be a little bit more trickier and it's gonna require a little bit more work, okay? Paul uses the term fix, fix your thoughts, okay? So when you fix something, there's two components. You could either fix something to the ground, right? Like you're going to a tent, you're putting a, a, a peg in. And if that's the case, that means something is uncontrollable, right? So the tension is uncontrollable, Another, another aspect of fixing is something that's broken, right? You don't fix something that, that's not broken. So what that simply means is, the tension here is your thoughts that are not anchored, your thoughts aren't anchored, or unhealthy. All right, so uncontrollable thoughts, broken thoughts, unanchored, and unhealthy. And if you actually Google what uncontrollable and unhealthy thoughts are, the term is anxiety. So I want to encourage us today, right? And as a disclaimer, I'm not a medical professional. But the word of God uses the term anxiety. And Jesus is known as the great physician, right? So what I want to encourage you to do today, or at least learn from today, is how to identify anxiety and what's the result, right? So anxiety and worry are kind of similar. And so I want to define it. So worry is in the moment, right? You're going through something and it's in the moment. Anxiety, on the other hand, is persistent. It's ongoing. Think of it this way, you're driving in your car, you see some rain clouds going and you get a drop or two in your windshield. Right? You just keep going, that's worry. However, anxiety is when it starts to rain cats and dogs and you can't see anything. Right? So that's the result of anxiety in our lives, is that it clouds our judgment. It clouds our critical thinking, and sometimes too, through anxiety, you could either you could even uh, play it out in the physical. Right, you can physically see stress on your life because of anxiety. Right, but however, here in this passage, uh, Paul gives us a revealed approach to our anxiety. A revealed to approach to anxiety. And remember, I talked to you guys earlier about today. On our third floor, we're going to have an interactive experience, right? So um, I'll play it out here in just a moment. But at the center, what we're asking is God's peace, right? And Paul lists off different components of things to think about. So the revealed approach here is mindfulness and focus. Mindfulness and focus, well, Pastor Chow, what, what, we, what do we focus on? Paul gave us these components, right? So I'm just going to use three as, as an example. Lovely, honorable, excellent. We're just going to use those three out of those components. And all of them works towards your peace. And so, church, what I want to do now, and I want to give you this moment, and we're all going to participate. If you have your phone, online family, if you have your notepads, I want you guys to think of the word, and you want to associate a word next to it or a sentence. So what is lovely in your life? What is honorable in your life? What is excellent in your life? Okay, I'm going to give you the time right now. Go ahead and write your word down. Write it down. Think about it. line family think about your word awesome so I'm going to share my my word with you guys right I didn't do this at the 9 a.m. but I put down for lovely I just think of my kids Right? I think of how awesome and amazing that they are. I also think of family, right? Our church family. Like how awesome it is, the, all the people that we've got to meet so far. Trevor, Brandon. Right? Rob, some amazing relationships, right? Lovely. I think honorable. I think of our amazing superheroes that we have here. right? What they do every single Sunday, honorable thing. When I think of excellent, I think of the vision of our church. Reaching people, reaching the lost reaching those with hope. So whatever word or whatever sentence that you have, I want to ask you this. During this exercise, did you have any anxious thoughts? No. No. Right? The reason being is because what we focus on is what we magnify. What we focus on is what we magnify. So church as kind of like a uh, visual to this, right? So this exercise is only going to help you in the moment when you're anxious. Think about it, you're driving, right? It's like one swipe for the windshield wipers. Clears up the windshield. However, we need to get to the source, which is the storm. And I don't know if you guys know, but there's someone in scripture who can calm the storm, who can calm the winds, who can calm the waves of anxiety in our lives. And that person is Jesus. Think about it. What is the ultimate lovely thing? Jesus. Who is the most honorable person that we can think of? Jesus. Who is the most excellent that we can examine? Jesus. So let's skip to the end game, right? Plug in the coordinates, and it will lead you to Christ, the Messiah himself. All right, so there's three people in this room. First one is maybe you've been trying everything. All right, we have all these tensions. You've gone to vices. You've gone to bad habits. You've gone to whatever. And you're still at the end of the road. There's no peace. I wonder what your next step is. Perhaps it's going to the prince of peace. Perhaps it's going to the one who can actually calm your anxiety. The Bible says that every knee will bow on, earth, on, uh, on top of the earth in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. So whatever anxiety that you're facing, whatever worry, whatever dis- it all has to bow in the name of Jesus. Yes. All right? So the second person in here, maybe you come to know Jesus already. Maybe you have been walking with him, but then there's a season or stage now where you're, you're running away. You're going off the way, the revealed way. All right? And then maybe the third category of people in here is, you've been walking with Christ, but you're just tired. You're just exhausted. Well, all three of us share this next step here. All right, this next step is to cast our anxiety on him. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So whatever it is that you can identify, that you can name, you want to give it to Christ. You want to give it to God. And here's the amazing thing. John fourteen six. Jesus answered, I am the way. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So church, I don't think you are here this morning by coincidence or accidents, but there's something in within you right now that is anxious. You're worried about something. And I just want to encourage you with the word of God. Don't be anxious about everything. But in every situation, pray, give thanks, focus on him. And what happens is you're going to tap into the peace that you need.